0: You know, after we lost those Super Bowls, if I had won all three, I don't know if I'd be the person I am today. But boy, losing those three put a chip on my shoulder. And I hate it more for my teammates than anybody else.
1: Good evening and welcome in. It's another edition of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wabschel from the Vikings Entertainment Network, coming to you from TCO Studios at Winter Park and coming to you with part two of our conversation with Pro Football Hall of Famer and Vikings legend, quarterback Fran Tarkinson. We had part one of our conversation with him last week on Skull Stories. The conversation was so good and so long, we have part two, and that's coming up in a minute. But first, I want to get to the current state of your Minnesota Vikings on this Tuesday evening. Of course, they're coming off a disappointing 21-10 loss in Philadelphia last weekend, An uncharacteristic performance that was marred with mistakes, and some of those mistakes spoiled the return of Sam Bradford to Philadelphia and the team that traded him to Minnesota just eight days before the season began and spoiled a great defensive effort by Mike Zimmer's crew. The Vikings' defense turned the Eagles over four times. That included two interceptions and a lost fumble by rookie phenom Carson Wentz, who's having a great debut season but did not look great against this Vikings defense. The good news is there were some individuals who stood out in a positive way for the Minnesota Vikings. Jeff Locke and Blair Walsh have the kicking game in good form right now. Cordero Patterson, who's making a difference on special teams not just as a returner but as a gunner, Also had a touchdown catch in Philadelphia. He was targeted seven times in the passing game by Bradford, and he caught all seven of those targets, including his second touchdown catch of the season. Also looking good on Sunday in Philadelphia, cornerback Xavier Rhodes. I don't know if it was his best game as a member of the Vikings, but certainly was up there among the two or three best games so far in his young career, Xavier had an interception of Carson Wentz on a beautiful diving play in the middle of the field, and he also forced a fumble on running back Ryan Matthews late in the game that gave the Vikings another possession, a possession that they turned into a touchdown when Cordero Patterson hauled in a Sam Bradford pass. And that gives them something to build upon as they head to Chicago. Bears are 1-6 this season. The Vikings are going to try and turn them into a 1-7 and outfit while they get back on the winning track. They still sit atop the NFC North, but they're going to have to win some games against some division opponents, two of those coming up in the next three weeks if they want to stay on top of the division. Okay, that's enough of your current Vikings. Let's get into the Vikings gone by and more with Fran Tarkenton. We asked him, Fran, what's the best team you were ever on? What was the best Vikings team you were on? The team that
0: was the best Viking team that I was on was the one that lost uh, in the Hail Mary pass to Roger Staubach. That was before Ahmad and Sammy White got there. So we didn't, we weren't great at wide receiver. We beat Dallas that day every way upside down. There was no way in the world they could have won the game. And they get the proverbial Hail Mary pass, but before that they they had a couple questionable calls. Roger was 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 really struggling all day and and he threw the Hail Mary Pass that that changed my life. Because that was our best team, best chance. But I think if we win that game, we're like four straight Super Bowls. And so all those teams were competitive. The last two teams that I was on, you know, I was all of us were getting old then. But I my best receivers I've ever had were my last couple of years when I had Ahmad Rashad, Sammy White. And they were great, great receivers. But uh, uh, all of us played a long time. All of us played every game. It's amazing when you look back. But we weren't in our prime in those in those last few years. If we could have had 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 this group of people together, you know, five, six, seven years before, we'd had a little better chance.
1: All right, let's go to the current Vikings under head coach Mike Zimmer. Tell me what you like about the way they're structured, with Mike Zimmer, who's the head coach. But his forte is defense. He's got Norv Turner, of course. His forte is offense. He's the offensive coordinator, and he's been a head coach. Tell me what you think about the structure here that Mike Zimmer leads.
0: I I, love, I don't know him personally. I've talked to him. I like him. I like him. he's a football guy. And the the important thing is that uh, you know the Will family, which owns the team. First of all, you know we started. We had five owners. They were scattered about, but that, that was a kind of a good thing because none of them messed with the the team. Now. We didn't have a very good organization until Jim Finks came in to be the general manager. But for years, the ownership was four or five different people, and then Red McCombs became an owner, but briefly. And then the Will family is is a sole ownership themselves. They got some minority partners, but it's the Will family, and what they've done well, they have gone out and hired the best people they could hire. Uh, does that mean they're always going to work out? No, they hired some really good people that worked for a while that didn't work out, but. They, they brought in Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer's a football guy. He's a football coach, uh, you know, and that's what he loves and that's what he is. And he's got enough security that he goes out and brings North Turner in, who's a football coach. Uh, and he's been a head coach, but he brought him in because he thought he was a great offensive coordinator and they could work. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm not there, but I'm sure Zimmer... Is so smart. He's going. To, he wants his offensive coordinator to go run the offense, and he's going to run the defense, and he's going to be the overall guy. I, I think that works for us, and 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 I I I think the our general manager, who I don't I've never met, but I've talked to a lot, and uh, I think he's I think he has built a scouting organization that goes out and and does a good job of evaluating players. Understands we got to we got to build a team through the draft. That's how you sustain and build. And I think they've done a good job of that. And, you know, it goes in cycles. You know, a few years ago when we were, you know, you know winning division championships and the Will family had just come on board, I thought we had the best roster in, in football. And uh, it didn't pay off into a Super Bowl win, but we won. And then we've had a turnover because you have turnovers. You know, the average life expectancy is four or five years for NFL player. I think they've done a good job in bringing that back now. But Mike Zimmer, I think, is the key. If you don't have a great head coach that's a football coach, that's what he's done. He's not a politician. He's a footballer. He understands that he's got to have players. If he doesn't have players, he can't coach the players up. And and he goes out and gets a veteran staff that's a good staff. But coaching does not win without great players. And so, but we've made some really good draft choices. We've got some players that can rush the passer. We've got some skilled players that can go and get, get a football. We're building that package. Is this the year? I think we're probably a year away from being as good as we can be.
1: The balance between the natural talent that one has and then the work ethic that one also has to get some of that talent to come to the surface. Where do you think you fell? In, in terms of striking that balance?
0: I'll tell you this right now. It, 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 everybody that gets drafted to the National Football League has the ability to play football. They can all throw it. Uh, they all got uh, you know, uh, athletic skills, leadership skills, and all those things. Uh, but you cannot measure all the other stuff, right? Uh, Ryan Leaf had more ability than Peyton Manning ever thought about having. He was bigger, stronger, faster than Peyton. He could throw it farther, throw it harder, could run faster, and so forth. And they all Indianapolis almost took Ryan Leaf, but they took Peyton, and the second pick was San Diego took Ryan Leaf. How'd that work out? Tom Brady was the sixth round draft choice, playing Michigan. They benched him his senior year, didn't even get him a chance to his senior year for Drew Henson, who had all the stuff, right? Joe Montana was a third-round draft choice. John Unitas was a free agent. All of them can play. But you've got to look beyond the play. But the scouts say they're looking for the big, strong arm. He can make all the throws. He's big. He's strong. He's this. So they overlook Russell Wilson because he's 5'10". They overlook Fran Tarkin because I'm six foot barely. And I'm a third-round draft choice. And Joe Montana's a third-round draft choice and all these other things. I, I think that the people that are drafting quarterbacks never played quarterback. How do they know? How do they know what a quarterback's like? I know. I lived it. And I've told, you know, I've told Spielman up there and I've told other people, if I owned a team, I'd go out and find me an ex-great quarterback. Not me. I'm not, I'm not for sale. But I'd, 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 I want you to go out and look at all the quarterbacks, the, the top 25 quarterbacks in college football. I want you to go out and meet them and see them and, so, and come back with some recommendations because that's who knows quarterbacks.
1: More coming up after the break with former Viking Fran Tarkenden. But before we go to break, a programming note on how you can join a current Viking. Join host Mike Musman along with defensive end Everson Griffin at Clives in Champlin on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule, and stay tuned for more Skull Stories. Welcome back. More Skull Stories coming at you in a minute. I'm your host, Mike Wapshaw. Before, though, I want to tell you about this. You like to wear your Vikings emotions on your sleeve, literally? Well, 2016 exclusive inaugural season gear is at the Vikings Locker Room Store open at U.S. Bank Stadium for novelty items and apparel visit the official Vikings Locker Room Store at Mall of America U.S. Bank Stadium and online at VikingsLockerRoom.com let's get back to our man Fran here's more from our conversation with him All right, Vikings fans, they get a lot of credit for being loud. They were loud at the Metrodome. They've been loud at U.S. Bank Stadium. What do you remember, though, about playing in front of those passionate purple fans?
0: You know, it's an interesting thing. People have asked me that before. I, I look back and sometimes I wonder, did I really play? You know, uh, I, I see, I know I did. I don't remember hearing or seeing fans in the stands. I look back at that phenomena. I can see myself warming up, I'm running out of the tunnel. I, I can tell you what place happened, and what part of the field. I could I, I can visualize everything that happened in Old Met Stadium, where it happened, or at Sanford Stadium, at the University of Georgia. I don't remember hearing or seeing the people. And I guess, and looking back, that I was so focused on what we were doing and so that I didn't hear them cheer or boo. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't aware of them, And I look back, I guess that's a good thing. But I th- think I'm not unusual. I never talked to anybody else about that to hear what they say about that. But I was oblivious to fans, whether it was on the road or in our place. I didn't, I didn't think we had a disadvantage on the road because I, I didn't hear, hear or see the fans.
1: How about down in Atlanta? You ever run into any Vikings fans down south? Some.
0: More in New York. I travel to New York three or four times a year. In New York, you think, well, you know, with the massive population, they're all Giant fans or Jet fans, but they're not. They're Viking fans in New York. A lot of them. I did a book signing in New York, and there were hundreds of Viking fans coming to get a book signed by me. Uh, and, but they are Dallas Cowboy fans in New York, and they are Philadelphia Eagle fans in New York, and there are 49er fans in New York. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, New York is a melting pot. But uh, uh, down here, I don't run into many. But down here in the South, they are Falcon fans, but, you know, they really are Georgia Bulldog fans. And they're SEC fans. And the Bulldogs, spelled D-A-W-G-S, dogs, that I grew up in Athens, Georgia, Bulldog. And I went to high school there. I played my high school games in their stadium. And then I played my four years at Georgia. And uh, so I'm a Bulldog. And Bulldogs are big stuff in the state of Georgia.
1: What do you think of U.S. Bank Stadium? Long-awaited, new home of the Vikings right in downtown Minneapolis. Big, brand-new stadium.
0: I could have never imagined in 1961 that the NFL could be this big. I, I, I'm just amazed. I, I tell people since I'm so much in business and, and I you know, invest in a lot of businesses, my own businesses and this and that. If someone had a pot of money and they wanted to put that pot of money and had the luxury to put it anywhere they wanted to, what would be the safest investment and, and, and that they could have and also get the best return of anywhere they could invest the money? An NFL franchise would be my bet. That's what I would bet at. More than Apple, and Apple's pretty, pretty strong, right? But I think that the growth of the National Football League will not stop because we are a content-driven society, right? It's not just ABC, NBC, CBS. It's all the cables, and now streaming video and streaming our games over mobile apps. It's, it's amazing, and people are paying big money. And you look at a company like Time Warner, which I'm, I'm very close to, they, you know, that's, that's where old Ted Turner started with, Turner Broadcast a big part of Time Warner. They are winning the war with content, with HBO, uh, with basketball. They're one of the only, only television powerhouses that are not in the NFL. Now they'd like to be, but the NFL is, is, is the games are, the, are, are, are so great. They're so fast. They're so physical. It's the games that go back and forth and unbelievable. And that just excites people, it should. And so now we've seen the NFL, even college football, but more so the NFL, become the greatest piece of content that people wanna watch all over the world. And that's not gonna slow down. They're gonna pay more and more money for the rights to be able to televise NFL football
1: when that day comes when the Vikings do win the Super Bowl what's that going to mean to you
0: well it won't replace the sorrow that I've had that we didn't win we played I, I got to play in three at the end of my career and I played in one where I was healthy the Miami when I I was healthy the other two I wasn't that has never left me Bud laughs at that but Bud has a way, he can, he, can, he can remove it. I can't remove it. I don't want to remove it because I, uh, I played with, on some of the greatest teams with the greatest players that ever played. I thought we had the greatest culture of, of any place because it was our culture. And we all had been there, invested ourselves there for a lot of years. Jim Marshall and I played in the first game. Brady Alderman played the first game. Mick Tinglehoff came the next year, and Bill Brown came the next year. And so we'd been there a long, long time. Our fans had been there a long, long time. And, you know, after we lost those Super Bowls, my friends in Minnesota, you've got to go say something to the fans in February, March. Because when you're invested in your team as a fan, as an owner, as a coach, as a player, you're devastated. You get to that pinnacle point, the last two standing, and you don't win those games. They haunt me. Now, do I lose sleep? No. I want it to haunt me because I think if I had won all three, I don't know if I'd be the person I am today. I think I'd have had the drive I I had, but boy, losing those three put a chip on my shoulder. I still have a chip on my shoulder about it. And I uh, I hate it more for my teammates than anybody else. I don't hate it that much for me. I hate it for my teammates. That I I could not deliver that for them. And I'll never get over that.
1: Will it be therapeutic at all to see a future team do it?
0: No, I've got, to, I've got to do it with Jim Marshall and Mick um, And so I'll be happy, but it won't replace
1: it. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, let's let's end it on a lighter note. Of all the things you did, Fran, off the field, hosting SNL, hosting That's Incredible, what are the things you remember the most or what stands out to you from that part of your professional life?
0: Please, Lord, help guide Fran Tarkington so that he will not humiliate himself like <laughs> what he did in the Super
1: Bowl.
0: <laughs> I, I hosted SNL, that was fun. This is Eldrick Tiger Woods, and Eldrick is an accomplished golfer. That's incredible. It was boring, but I made it fun because I got to be with great friends with John Davis and Kathleen Crosby and all the crew, and this, but it wasn't my world. Monday Night Football, I, I, I had no fun in that. It wasn't my world. Uh, Dandy, Don, and I were longtime friends, and it was fun to be with him, but I didn't like, I didn't like that, that part of it. I like building businesses. I like helping people. Uh, my lifetime has been as an entrepreneur. I had a paper out in Washington, D.C. when I was seven years old. Uh, when in college, I, you know, I, I worked uh, on, on farms outside of that chicken farms, $40 a week. Uh, I sold life insurance while I was going to the University of Georgia. I've always worked and I stayed in Minnesota for two years and worked for Wilson Truck System and then a Holden Printing Company and I worked. I did speeches for $25 a night uh, and then when I was 25, 26, I started building my own, own companies, and I, I keep building them. I keep expanding them. I keep learning, and the most fun outside of, of, of 24 years of high school football, four years of college football, and 18 years of pro football, outside of that, business is every bit as, as thrilling to me, and I can do it now at 75, and uh, I, I I love that. I, you know around this office we're doing unbelievable things technology and I would bet 70% of our people are under 35 maybe 60 50% are under 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 30 and and watch these kids work and create and we empower them to to let those skills and come out and build Back in the old days, you know, it was the boss and everybody else just did what the boss said. Business has changed. It's not about the boss. You've got to get the input and cooperation from all the people. I tell them, I want you to think, create, and use your skills, which are different from my skills, and we blend those skills. with a 75-year-old with a 25-year-old, and we're doing great things for small business entrepreneurs. And that has been as close to the camaraderie and the and the, and the urgency of winning a game on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday night that I've ever had. Does it match it? In many ways, it does. It's not the, not the surge you have on, on Friday night high school football or Sunday afternoon NFL football, but it's pretty damn good.
1: And that will do it for our conversation with Fran Tarkinson and for this episode Of Skull Stories. We thank you for joining us. If you want to hear that again or hear more from Fran, including part one of the conversation, you can check out the on demand section of KFAN.com. And of course, you can go to Vikings.com where we have every episode of Skull Stories there waiting for you to come and check it out. We also have a bunch of other great Vikings content on vikings.com we encourage you to go there and check it out and if you haven't already download the vikings app and all of our great content will be delivered straight to your favorite mobile device on behalf of scroll stories producer nate vaughn i'm your host mike wobshaw we thank you for listening have a good night